0: Welcome to Code Patrol, the podcast that sees the world through code-colored glasses. I'm your host, Lisa Voss, currently a Senior Content Marketing Manager at Contrast Security and a veteran. I'm rubbing my knuckles on my shirt here. A veteran Cypress security reporter before that. Just because I'm a veteran doesn't mean I know how to say the word. Anyway, my guest today, I'm so thrilled to have on Tom Kellerman. He's a Senior Vice President of Cyber Strategy at Contrast Security. Tom has more than 23 years of experience, which will be critical as Contrast expands its work with the government and financial sectors. Prior to joining Contrast, he held the positions of head of cybersecurity strategy for VMware and chief cybersecurity officer for Carbon Black. In 2020, he was appointed to the Cyber Investigations Advisory Board for the U.S. Secret Service. Please note, if we're playing video, you got to check out his killer shirt. He's like in the depths of cybersecurity in the nation. And also in 2008, was appointed a commissioner on the Commission on Cybersecurity for the 44th President of the United States. Wow, what a background. Tom, welcome to the podcast and welcome to Contrast.
1: Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be working with you.
0: Well, we think so too. It's been a couple of weeks, but we're not terrified of you yet. So tell me, Tom, what was the draw for you to join Contrast? And what's your mission? What's your plan here?
1: Yeah. Realistically, I realized that traditional network security and endpoint security was failing. There was a dramatic increase in application attacks and attacks against APIs just last year. And I saw that the adversaries were using them to conduct island hopping, which is essentially where they hijacked the digital transformation of the victim and use their corporate platform to attack their constituencies. And given that reality, given that most applications are attacked over 400 times a day, I wanted to shift left of boom and work with a cutting-edge company with a great leader like Jeff Williams, the pioneer of OWASP, to solve this problem and to allow for the customers of contrast and the partners of contrast to truly defend from within and within their code, that is.
0: That sounds good to me. now when you say This whole idea of island hopping is really interesting. And you say that it's about attacking constituencies. And as I understand it, that means we're talking about uh, organizations, partners, right? They're trusted partners who have gotten, they've got access to the target, the primary targets networks, and they're in those networks. So it's kind of like going in the side door to get into your primary target.
1: Right? Think about the Kaseya hack, the SolarWinds hack, the numerous attacks against Microsoft. They're using those digital platforms to attack their customers and constituencies because of the implicit trust placed in the code and the network connectivity of those entities and platforms. And so those attacks don't occur in a vacuum. 60% of the time when incident responders go to investigate a cyber breach, they realize that the victim organization was breached, but more importantly, because of the duration of the breach, the adversary moved laterally and then used the digital transformation of the victim corporation, bank, government agency, et all to attack their customers and their partners and so the game has really changed in today's world an adversary now doesn't want to just burglarize your home they want to conduct a home invasion during thanksgiving dinner
0: i thought you were going to say they're going to break down your neighbor's doors while they're at it or something because they've got the keys during dinner curse you cyber adversaries let's talk about what's happening like in the past year, soon after the start of the year, Russia attacked Ukraine. That's been playing out in cyberland. really heavy time. So what have we learned about cybersecurity offense in wartime?
1: Yeah, brave new world we live in today. We need to respect the fact that geopolitical tension metastasizes in cyberspace. And we've really reached a tipping point, a tipping point that began on January 13th of this year. On January 13th of this year, Russian intelligence services launched a wave of destructive attacks, wiper malware, purposely built to wipe systems and destroy the integrity of data on systems. They then used the cyber militias of cyber crime cartels as proxies and their various botnet platforms to launch destructive payload attacks against the Western world, NATO countries, Ukraine, etc. And we've seen nine waves of destructive attacks been launched since January 13th with the latest uh, Nobel Rus being launched just last week. So mm. when you see a saber rattling and when you see a failure in international affairs or diplomacy, you have to realize that there's a there's an immediate cyber manifestation of that threat. And adversaries in today's world are A, more, more likely to hijack your digital transformation, number one, and B, they're more likely to leverage destructive attacks as a response for a failure in diplomacy, or they're willing to launch those same destructive attacks that destroy the integrity of data and/or systems as a response to how you defend yourself, as in, when you're conducting incident response, if you're too loud or if you terminate their command and control or delete their back doors, they may choose to wipe systems and to burn the house down.
0: What do you mean if you're too loud? What does that mean, Tom?
1: It's been a problem for network defenders and traditional socks for a long time and in, in that when they react too loudly, if they're too visible in their reaction to an adversary that's burrowed, burrowed into their environment, that adversary could leverage wiper malware or ransomware, not Petya style, where they're not actually asking for ransom into the environment to punish the defender, to slow the defender. So if you immediately terminate command and control, for example, if you deploy agents on endpoints or in the network to conduct threat hunting, and they're not just in monitor mode, et cetera, et cetera. Or even if you communicate over like Teams and Slack regarding an incident, and they're on to how you're responding to them, they may become punitive and the escalation may occur, wherein the burglary becomes an arson.
0: Wow, gotcha. You just used a phrase, a digital transformation. Now, I know you use the phrase but there's a phrase you use a lot, vigilant digital transformation. What does that mean? And what does it comprise? Yeah,
1: we must be vigilant when we digitally transform. I think people are so focused, every organization out there, on that digital transformation that they neglect true attention to dev sec ops and true attention to intrusion suppression and principles of defending from within on the network level and the endpoint level as well whether it's continuous monitoring of your development environments, all the way through the automation of interactive application security testing throughout the development process and pursuing that into runtime protection for environments. It's quintessentially important that when you digitally transform, you do so vigilantly and you pay attention to various attack vectors that exist, not just from outside in, but from inside out of your infrastructure. Um, Which is why in today's world, you need to really defend against a myriad of type of attacks against applications that are out there of significance that are still very viable as evidenced by log4j. Whether it's expression language injection or method tampering or untrusted deserialization, these attack classes are still viable against today's environments and are becoming ubiquitous in their utility.
0: You, you just read my mind. I was going to ask you next about log 4 I mean, We started the year under the shadow of Log4j, and then I saw a recent statistic that says that 96% of Log4j in use was not vulnerable to Log4 shell zero days, and we know that a lot of libraries are never invoked. I wonder about a statistic like that. Has it led to people ignoring remediation of a vulnerable library such as Log4j, as in oh, let's just focus on the attackable one.
1: Given that 62% of libraries are not used, I don't think people understand which ones are used and when because they don't really have visibility during runtime. And having that situational awareness and that ground truth for runtime is quintessentially important. If you think about the failures of SAS and DAST over the years, besides being slow and having too many false positives, the quintessential failure is the, the MTTR. Meantime remediation is taking far too long. We need to be faster with an adversary that chooses to use these types of exploits to then move laterally within environments. And so thus scanning has become ineffective. You need that context at runtime, and it's paramount. And so the application security writ large must occur continuously from inside the running application, which allows you to see vulnerabilities without guessing about what's really feasible and what's really exploitable within that environment. Frankly, given the nature of which intelligence services are constantly developing new zero days and new exploits for environments because of the nexus that exists between cyber war, intelligence communities, and cyber crime cartels, in today's world, you better treat each vulnerability as an attack until proven otherwise. I would just bring you back to the construct of like zero trust. Zero trust is really an acknowledgement that 100% prevention isn't possible. It's an acknowledgement that perimeter defenses are dead and that you need to defend from inside out. But most importantly, you have to verify then trust, not just zero trust. You need to continuously verify then trust, which is why you have to treat each vulnerability as an attack.
0: Yep, zero trust, definitely. Well, there's a lot out there to worry about, plainly. What concerns you the most about the state of code security?
1: Like I said, it's taking far too long to implement true security across DevSecOps. It's taking far too long for meantime to remediation. There's insufficient context. The visibility and the understanding of various attack classes that are viable in runtime typically isn't there. Protection against them typically isn't there. And people are taking shortcuts through the woods by embracing legacy capabilities like SAS to insulate and protect themselves against a very weaponized cyberspace of 2022. As we move forward, I would just say, I think everyone should begin with intelligent runtime protection. Start there. Eliminate entire classes of attacks. And from there, really begin your journey towards IAST, because IAST is a superior paradigm and capability set than using SaaS and DAB.
0: Legacy tools. Okay. Thank you for that. As we head into the final quarter of the year, what are the threats and threat actors that concern you most? What are you watching for as we head into winter?
1: Yeah, winter has come, if not is coming immediately. The Chinese and Russian threat actors have been quite active lately the Chinese going after major defense contractors and government agencies just in the last few weeks as discovered by Mandiant slash Google. Yesterday, in addition, you see these waves of destructive attacks being launched by the Russians against Western critical infrastructures and targets, much like we saw the warning from Director Easterly of CISA just last week. So we need to pay attention to that. We have to pay attention to that. We should expect that the gloves are off and that dramatic destructive attacks against critical infrastructure will manifest. Now, As we pay attention to that, I predict two phenomena. First, I predict a major public cloud provider will be compromised by a rogue nation state, allowing for systemic island hopping and the delivery of ransomware and or destructive wipers. Which public cloud will that be? We'll see. But I think it's inevitable that that type of island hop, that type of cloud jacking will occur before the new year And then lastly, I think we're actually going to see a few, maybe one or two open source zero days unleashed, like another expression language zero day, much like we saw with Log4j. I think this time though, that the adversaries will be ready to deploy backdoors immediately and systemically in in a scalable fashion, move laterally through those specific environments that they seem to be critical in the West when they do unleash these zero days. And so we need to be on, we have entered a brave new world. And we need to defend
0: from within. No, you have a ton on your plate, Tom. So I want to thank you kindly for taking the time out to come chat. But before I let you go, this might actually be kind of like a redundant question. But what the heck? I can repeat myself all day and I don't embarrass easily. Where are our biggest defensive gaps? And how would you defend from within?
1: Yeah, you know what? We need to accept that the malicious actors, the adversaries of cyber spies, cyber crime cartels are going to get into the environment. Okay, so what we need to defend against is island hopping and escalation. And to do that, we need to suppress those campaigns. We need to provide for continuous monitoring that has to extend into the development, as context is going to be of paramount importance for your response and your situational awareness. And to defend from then really. Cybersecurity teams from a network perspective need to integrate their network detection response capabilities with their endpoint detection response capabilities and expand threat hunting specifically for groups like Sandworm, APT28, APT41, etc. cetera, et cetera. In addition, they should apply micro segmentation and they should use immutable backups. But it doesn't end there. They then need to defend from within. You need to extend that defense to the code itself, right? So they need to detect and prevent against runtime attacks on known and unknown code application exploits in production which can shield them against emerging zero-day threats like I've described. Uh, They need to automate, and instrument, the identification of vulnerabilities in real-time, extending that continuous monitoring, obviously, to development. And they need to discover zero-days in libraries, uh, which is gonna require testing and and protecting of third-party open-source code that moves through their supply chains. And finally, I think greater attention must be paid immediately To the security of application APIs, application programming interface, before the adversary hijacks them. Because the APIs have become almost the gateway drug to use as island hops within organizations and against their constituency.
0: Yeah, we've been talking a lot about API security. That's a whole ton of marching orders for you listeners. But thank you so much, Tom, for sharing your insights. I want to wish you all the best with your work on advising government agencies, standard bodies, financial institutions, insurers, and regulators. I can't wait to see how your new cyber intelligence sharing initiative goes as well. So listeners, thank you for tuning in. Until next time, stay safe, stay vigilant, and keep on your digital toes. Thank you so much, Tom.
1: Thank you.